Hello, this is Gareth Jones on Speed, episode 355. It's a rather special edition, this one, because it's an enhanced podcast. I have buried images into the timeline, which should display as you listen to this program, if you are using an appropriate playback mode or device. You may need to experiment to find out what that is, but the images are definitely there. Enjoy. In this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, I'm on my way to Italy to explore one of the most famous names in car design. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth and I'm actually at Heathrow Airport at the moment. I've managed to do the train part of the journey, about to do the plane part of the journey, which makes this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed trains, planes and automobili. Because I'm on my way to Turin in Italy, via Munich, it's a long story, to visit Pininfarina. Yeah, that lot. An organisation who have made some of the most beautiful cars in the history of automotive beauty. (laughs) Really, the company was founded, I think, in 1930 by Battista Farina. But because he was the little one in the family, he was known as Pinin. So that's why he was nicknamed Pininfarina and ultimately changed his family name to Pininfarina rather than just Farina. You've seen the word Pininfarina written on the side of many glorious cars, many Ferraris, but not exclusively Ferraris. Remember that Pininfarina have designed for, well, Alfa Romeo, Lancia, Peugeot. Some of the loveliest Peugeots were actually Pininfarina designs. Fiat's, of course. I've got a list here in front of me. Let me just have a quick look. And if I mention some of the cars that Pininfarina have designed and indeed built, Carrozziera Pininfarina were coach builders, really. But the current form of Pininfarina is a design house. Yeah, okay, the cars that they built. How about the Maserati A6 1500 Berlinetta Speciale? Look that up. That is a car. The Ferrari 212. Oh, oh, so 1950s. The Alfa Romeo Duetta. That was one of theirs. The car which became known as the Graduate, ultimately. You know, the old boat tail. The Lancia Florida Due. Oh, and even nicer than that the Lancia Astura Bocca look that up that is one of the most gorgeous dramatic cars you will ever see seriously look it up now Lancia Astura Bocca B-O-C-C-A yeah the Peugeot they designed well many Peugeots they had a hand in but one of the loveliest was the 504 Coupe from 1968 which stayed in production till 1983 good-looking car. The Cadillac Alante, that was one of those. The Dino Berlinetta Speciale, very aerodynamic. Even the Ferrari Testarossa. And even a Grand Prix car called the Sigma. 
look that up interesting v12 engine lots of aero very smooth so pininfarina are grand masters of making extraordinary cars good looking cars and recently they were bought up by mahindra massive indian concern who are quite good at making cars but in terms of design need the cachet that a carrozziera like Pininfarina would bring them so working in concert with Mahindra Pininfarina are about to start making a car of their own a hypercar an electric hypercar and that's one of the things I should be talking to them about whilst I visit their headquarters in Turin but I have to go now because my plane will depart without me if I don't go to the gate. So I'll see you at the other end of this flight. And welcome to Italy, or Bienvenuti a Italia. I think that's right. As it says in the hotel guide in front of me here, it says, Vi attende un esperienza preziosa in un luogo che unisce natura, tecnologica e bellezza. Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> hey, man, it's lovely to be in Italy. I do love Italy. It was a bit of a long journey to get here. We came via Munich. The flight took us to Munich. Then we had to change flights. Two hour wait for a connecting flight from Munich. But finally made it to Italy in the dark. To the most extraordinary arrival. We flew over the Alps, of course, from Munich to Torino to Turin, which is in northern Italy, in the foothills of the Alps and the Alps were poking up through the cloud base. That's how tall the Alps were. And the chap sitting next to me maintains that one of the peaks that we saw was Mont Blanc. Now I think that's French Alps, which I would have thought would have been a bit further away than where we were. So I defer to his better knowledge i don't know if he's right or not but i'm willing to share that misinformation if it is misinformation i'm in a place called vista terra benvenutia vista terra it says in the room guide which is a country resort it is magnificent seriously most of it was built in the 16th century andrea the guide who walked me to my room told me and parts of this date to the 12th century it's a big old room massive massive beautiful italian style bedroom and an equally large and resonant bathroom it's stylish you know it was lovely I, I spent two hours in munich on the way here everything was very efficient um clean and marvelous it just worked and it was friendly and ace but then you arrive in italy and you get a different version of europe you get that tremendous flair the italians have tremendous deep-rooted style no wonder pininfarina come from here their cars are beautiful and stylish of course and i think they actually embody italianate design so that makes perfect sense now 
I'm slightly concerned. It's ten past six now, and we've got a meeting at six o'clock, drinks and a sort of briefing, and then dinner downstairs. And I think we might get to meet Paolo Farina, grandson of Battista Farina. I think. I may be wrong. But the concern I have is that when I arrived at the hotel, one of the people from Farina handed me a non-disclosure agreement, saying that I wasn't allowed to do any electronic recording of imagery, photographs, visual stuff. So perhaps I am okay doing audio recording, podcasting. If I'm not, this is going to be the quietest episode of Gareth Jones on Speed ever. I don't see the point of inviting podcasters to events like this, PR events, and then saying, but you can't tell people what you've seen here. That would defeat the whole object. So I'm hoping that I will be allowed to do audio recording. I did actually say, well, I would like to do audio recording beforehand. And I've been told it was okay. But you never know until you actually start doing it. And hopefully I won't get stopped. So if it all goes a bit quiet, I then have to tell you in very guarded terms without actually telling you anything. I'm sure you'll understand, but I will do my level best to share what I can on this show. Right, now then, as this is Italy, and it's all very stylish and very posh, I'm going to have to hang up my jacket in the bathroom and run the shower for a while to get the creases out of it. So excuse me while I do that, and I shall be back when I've got something more to tell you. Garrett Jones on speed! Oh man, have I been having a lovely evening. We had drinks in the bar before dinner, followed by the most glorious Italian food this evening. I had the scallops. This isn't a food show, so I've got to talk about cars. But I've popped back to my room to collect this recorder because I spent most of the evening sitting at the dinner table with the CEO of Automobili Pininfarina, Michael Pershley. I think I said his name right, and sitting next to Luca Borgogno, who is the designer of the PF Zero. Two extraordinary people who are steeped in cars. So I've asked them if I could just talk to them over after dinner drinks. So I've grabbed my recorder. I'm going to run back and we'll have a conversation. I think you'll enjoy this because... Man, I've enjoyed the conversation tonight. Oh, also, one other thing I forgot to mention. Over drinks this evening before dinner, I had a chat with Nick Heidfeld. Nick Heidfeld, of course, drove for the Mahindra Formula E team. And because of his electric connections and his Mahindra connections, he's the test and development driver for Pininfarina for the PF Zero. I don't know if I get a chance to talk to Nick tonight, but I might get to talk to him tomorrow on the programme. But for the moment, let's go and have a chat with Michael and with Luca. Like I said, you'll enjoy this. They are good people. Michael, how do you say your last name? Persky. Persky. Yeah. And you're the CEO of Pininfarina Automobili, which is different to Pininfarina SPA. Can you explain the relationship between Mahindra and the two Pininfarina brands? Pininfarina SPA was acquired back in 2015, but the shareholding is 24% is still external shareholders. 
listed on the Milan Stock Exchange, and the remaining 76% are owned 60% by Tech Mahindra and 40% by Mahindra Mahindra. And that's chosen specifically to keep Pinifarina SBA as an independent design house. <laughs> so, what is the primary function of Pininfarina Automobili? Is it to move the Pininfarina badge from the side of the car to the nose of the car? Is, is that your mission statement? It sounds very simplistic, but uh, I wouldn't say it's a mission statement, but it's the physical result. The physical result is put Pininfarina on front of a hood as an independent, luxurious, sustainable EV company. Make sure that people recognize in the future Pininfarina as a household name for connoisseurs of good design and high technology and make sure that in a few years from now people recognize Pininfarina as one of the early adopters of electrification of a luxury space. You're starting from the top down. The, the PF Zero, this car that you're at the verge of manufacturing, is going to appeal to a very high-end clientele. Tell me about the car. How much is it going to cost? What's its performance figures? Describe the car for me. First and foremost, it falls very much in line with the Pininfarina DNA, which is timeless design. And the form leads and functionality follows. It's a car which has a very organic design. It's a little bit like the front of an arrow gliding through the air with two very subtle wings of a bag which are kind of accentuating an airflow. A little bit like a birdcage. It's 100% only EV. It has four motors. It has torque vectoring. It has roll, roll bars. And it allows you to accelerate by the blink of an eye from zero to more than 60 miles, which is basically less than two seconds. Right. And to get from zero to 300 kilometers, you do that at the speed of just doing your lashes in less than 12 seconds. Traditionally, you might associate Pininfarina with snarling, breathing, internal combustion engine cars. It's quite a leap for you to take on board the EV culture. Does that fit with Pininfarina? Well, Pininfarina, what you resonate to is past and present. And past and present was about a design house doing designs for other companies. And for the future, Pininfarina SP will be a design house, will be an engineering provider, and will look at helping modern future mobility companies with enablement capabilities. What does that mean? Pininfarina SP, they will help other car makers to deploy new technologies into a car. Yeah. And us, Automobile Pininfarina, our job is to do all these technologies in our own car, independent where it comes from. So we will use Pininfarina, our sister brand, as maybe a coach, a trainer, a supporter, but we are free to go anywhere. So mm -hmm. if you want a very simple elevator pitch, it's Italian design, European German engineering and Silicon Valley technology. Yeah. And we are free to go anywhere and put all these ingredients together into the perfect blend of beautiful, timeless design and very modern technologies. So you're starting at the top, 
with a hypercar. Where will that lead you? Do you have a five-year, ten-year plan? We have a five-year plan for four products, which will take us from 2020 to 2023. Roughly one product launch every year. And we have declared ourselves a target to not sell any car sub 100,000 euro. Who are the people responsible for this project? Luca, who I'm sitting next to, is one of your designers or your chief designer? Luca is my chief design officer, so he will be leading our design brief. He will work very closely with Pinifrina SBA as our design partner, our external design consultancy company. We have Christian Jung on board, who was the brain behind the Mission E. We have a couple of other gentlemen coming from Jaguar Land Rover, from Bugatti, from Volvo. And we're putting a team together who have done the job they do with us at other brands. But they take it to the next level. They're pushing the envelope by going from full throttle from combustion engine to electric. And deploying latest technologies, including level three autonomous drive, but all wrapped around in a beautiful Italian dress designed by Pinifarina. And how did you end up at Pinifarina? Your background is with Audi? Volkswagen, Audi, predominantly Audi, Daimler. I had like two or three companies I was part of a founding team. I ran the Audi business in India for three years, between 2010 and 2013, where I bumped a few times into Anand Mahindra and Pavan Gwankar. And I got a phone call in spring last year asking me if I would be excited about starting an Italian EV luxury business. And I met Anand Mahindra, and we agreed that this is an exciting mission, but I wanted his handshake. And then I had three months to write down a business plan and a product plan and a brand plan, presented it to the board and we got the thumbs up. And since February this year, we are forming this venture. So when will you be able to buy a Pininfarina PF0? Uh, well, you cannot buy it, actually. You will have a chance to apply for it. Oh, really? Like a Ford GT. Yeah. <laughs> so you can apply for it, and we will definitely consider any application. If the owner has already a couple of Pininfarina cars, if he believes in electric, we have only 150 cars, so we're not going for volume. We we want to find the right people because with early adopters of PS0, hopefully will become brand evangelists and help us to multiply the brand for the next and then the next car. It's a remarkable brand. I'm a car man through and through. Pininfarina means a great deal for me and yet we've never had a car with the possible exception of the Fiat 124 which was sold as a Pininfarina in America for a short while. Correct. As a Pininfarina, this is a tremendous opportunity, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. You have a great legacy, you have great heritage, you have a very strong following. If you go to Gooding Auctions or Iron Sotheby's in Pebble Beach, we have 25 to 30% market share of cars being auctioned there designed by Pininfarina. Wow. So I said, I don't have to sell the brand. Like for connoisseurs, you don't have to sell a Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. The connoisseurs know what Pininfarina is all about. And we have a lot of people who are super excited to finally own the first real Pininfarina. Or like I would say, imagine tonight you're meeting Andy Warhol and tomorrow he's going to release his first painting. Our advantage is we are painting for 80 
88 years, people know we are already famous, but now they can buy the real thing. Right. Okay. So it's an opportunity. You've been given an opportunity as a car industry man. You're in a wonderful position. You've been given one of the greatest brands in car design, which has never produced a car, but with the investment and the support of a serious group. Yes. Yeah, a huge group. That's a huge responsibility. Are you nervous? I think it's a dream job. <laughs> See, when, when I was starting thinking about a job outside of Audi and I was launching Audi Sport as a brand, when I was looking and saying, oh, look, I want to do electric, I was sure about it. But I didn't want to work for brands which had no heritage, like brands around Neo, Faraday, whatever. As an Audi guy, you say, I sound similar like Acura, Lexus, Infinity. New brands, but somehow something was missing. Right. I mean, if I would have looked for the perfect ingredients, I could probably not have imagined anything better than what yeah, Pini yeah. Farina has to offer. Yeah, yeah, a great brand with financial support. So, who are your rivals? Who else is making the sort of car that the PF Zero will be? PF Zero is nobody. <laughs> we have a very strong partnership, association, friendship with our technology partner who delivers the battery pack and the drivetrain, that's Remats. But Remats is a tech brand while we are a luxurious collector brand. So we are not competing, but probably we be only two brands who are in that space for the foreseeable future. Anybody else is still going to stay hybrid in PF Zero space. There's been a realignment of the power base of Automobili Pininfarina and SBA. Automobili Pininfarina is based in Munich. You're Bayernish, aren't you? We have two offices. We have our design office, of course, here in Turin. All my designers are Italian. (laughs) We have some engineering uh, colleagues here. But we call everything which is like 4.0 technologies based out of Munich. So the autonomous drive, the electric technology, the Internet of Things, the global sales and marketing that we base out of Munich. Because we are close to Bosch, Continental, Amazon, Google, Salesforce. These are all the tech companies who are residing around the Munich Silicon Valley. Or they call it the Bavarian Silicon Valley. So we analytically say, we need a global hub, we need access to capital, we need access to talent, we need access to new technologies. That's where Munich is definitely the best plot. But we want to also make use of the Italian heritage and competences, and that's where we go with the dual office strategy. The PF Zero, which will have a name, that's just the concept name, isn't it? Correct. You have a philosophy called Pura. Mm-hmm. The car won't be called the Pura, will it? No. What does Pura mean? Pura is basically an umbrella theme which takes on the DNA which we call purity, beauty and rarity. And Pura exemplifies that anything we do has to fall under that Pura. Pure, simple, clean, no frills, but not over clean. Pura is still emotional but in a simplistic way so look at apple products they are pure they're simple they're clean we're striving for something which love at first sight you can identify it as italian but it's modern italian it's not opulent it's pure simple and yet beautiful 
There's a plan beyond the PF Zero as well. You're talking about three or four cars. What can you tell me about those cars? <laughs> They're all going to be electric. All of them. All of them. Uh-huh. They're all going to be. Why? That's our claim. Sustainable luxury. And sustainable for us is zero emissions. They're all going to be beautiful, designed by Pininfarina. We're always going to be leading in performance. We want to be top performance Italian emotion. We will have great technology on board, but not for the reason of having technology, but for the reason of giving our users a great experience. Now they're all going to be connected cars, so except PF0, we will all have a high level of autonomous drive capability. It's a driver's car. It's, it's a, a driver's yeah. car, but we segregate driving between Monday to Friday. Well, you might get stuck on the traffic jam in the M5 or N25. Your job is to get to work, and while you get very, if traffic allows, you can have fun. Traffic doesn't allow, you can go in a fairly remote setting and do some work. But on Friday evening, you hit the road and you want to go up where you come from to Wales and you want to have fun and you want to go you know the nice serpentines and you want to feel the tarmac your hands should get wet because of the excitement <laughs> because you want to drive at 1000 1200 horsepower but 0 to 100 in less than 3 seconds you want to enjoy that and then you reach you park the car there you lock it it gives you that signature lighting experience you look back and say beautiful or like I would say in Italian soprattutto deve essere bella above all it needs to be a beautiful car ah okay so the PFC you start from the top and you filter down beyond that what are you going to do uh, four door cars coupes lifestyle cars explain fun, that for me fun lifestyle cars maybe the four seats but it's a made to measure suit very tight Italian tight and yet sporty good looking Maserati no. maybe a little bit closer to Maranello okay it has to be unique your background you've been responsible for some tremendous cars through VAG group tell me about those before I joined Audi for three years I was responsible for rollout of the Audi sport brand so basically we put together all the ingredients we had already the R and the R8 and the RS patches and we rearranged them and we created or recreated a new brand which we had from a motorsport was called Audi sport and we launched it as a competitor against AMG and M. Mm-hmm. And that was part of my concept, which I rolled out before Stefan Winkelmann came from Santa Agata. And then I had that beautiful phone call, which intrigued me to do something electric, because the problem we had at my previous employer, we had beautiful cars. Unfortunately, for the foreseeable future, nothing was fully electric. If I'm being cynical, is this the Germanification of a great Italian brand? in the way that the power base is shifting towards Munich. You describe Munich as the most northern Italian town. No, there's Luca, Luca and me, uh, brothers in arms. We don't look at our passport. Uh, what unites us is passion, yeah. love for good Italian wine. Yeah. Uh, we love to look at a beautiful woman, no matter what nationality they have. So a sense for aesthetics, a sense for beautiful cars, I think has no separation between nationalities. But yeah. If you want to kind of take it to the top, there was a beautiful brand called Lamborghini. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a lack of reliability. Yes. 
and then Lamborghini and Audi met in the middle. It you became great products. It became yeah. great products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They retained the Italianness, but they added a little bit of German engineering. I look forward to seeing the PFO prototype tomorrow. It's an exciting prospect. Like you say, it's something which has never quite existed. It's been teased as its own thing. You're taking something which hasn't quite existed and making it happen. That, yeah. That's a wonderful thing. We're trying to create a new breed of yeah. cars. Yeah, yeah. And PFC is the start and there are more to follow. And as I said, 23-24, if we have four electric cars on the road, we have maybe a volume somewhere between six, eight, maybe 10,000 cars a year, all electric, all luxurious. So nobody in the luxury range will have an equal amount of electrical cars under a luxury brand because they all start with 100% ICE and convert step by step while we leapfrog and we immediately 100% only electric designed in Italy built in Germany no designed in Italy built in Italy they'll be built here they will be built here the first one to two cars for sure and then we see yeah Michael, thank you very much. I've got to talk to Luca. Uh, Luca and I had a conversation earlier on. It turns out that we share a passion for Lancia. Of course. We both own Lancias. I had an HB, you had a Monte Carlo. Exactly, exactly, exactly. How has that informed? Because you're responsible as the chief of design for this car. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Again, you have a huge responsibility. It's a very great responsibility, but it's a huge... uh, can I say achievement? I don't know if it's the correct word, but it's a dream. Yeah. You know, it's a dream for somebody who has a passion. I've been grown in a family who always loved cars, and me and my father used to go to Formula One races together. And what more can you expect? You know, of having to fulfill a dream like this. So it's a beautiful thing. And it's an emotional car. The PF Zero is. Uh, you look at it. Well, I've only seen it under a cloth so far. It's live. It's organic. It yeah. could be a Ferrari. No. No? <laughs> no. What's the difference between Periferina and Ferrari then? Definitely, there's a totally different history in the background because the persons that are making these cars are different one to each other. While uh, Periferina was designing Ferraris for a long time, but it was always made for somebody else, while right now is the realization of the guy who founded the, the Periferina company. You know? So it's a totally different story. And it couldn't be a Ferrari because we are using a technology that Ferrari still doesn't use. You know, so our technology is something that is going to be really cutting edge in this segment. Somebody else has tried in other segments, but in this segment, nobody still has a full electric car. So it couldn't be a Ferrari, no. There's no doubting the Italian heritage of Pininfarina. And there's no doubting, as a designer, your responsibility to that. I know you were involved in the reinvention of the Stratos recently. Yes, yes. Does that influence... Are you trying to design an Italian car? Of course, yes. We like to think that we have some Italianness in our blood, you know. But yes, we are trying to design an Italian car. Before designing this car, we tried to design a Pininfarina first, and then an Italian car. I like to say that sometimes the Italian cars are somehow defined by the Pininfarina history, you know, because some of the most beautiful Italian cars were Pininfarina design, you know. And we have some principle that we try to respect in every car that we do. And of course Pura is uh, the word that we are using now for our design theme, and so purity is definitely one. 
but we have some other terms like clarity of execution. This is what we sell. So it means that we must be able to draw the cars that we are doing just one stroke of a pencil okay, yeah. and be able to define the character. Simplicity, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah clarity, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. very clarity. Then, of course, there are some other things like integration between functionality and aesthetics. This does not mean at all form follows function. It's another story because form follows function means uh, putting function in front of the form, you know, while in our way of doing things, they form and function, they should be joining together in the most uh, harmonious way, you know, so... That's returning to Battista Farina's yeah. original concept. That, exactly. You know, he didn't want just beautiful cars, beautiful cars which underneath them worked well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ferraris can't always say that, can they? <laughs> the Ferrari 308, you couldn't get second gear until you drove it for 20 minutes I till the sun warmed up. Let's say from the design point of view, we were not responsible for the mechanics. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so Batista was not to blame for the failure. No, I'm joking. But anyway, yeah, yeah from an aerodynamic point of view, from a functional point of view, those are things that need to be working together. And this is a lesson that Batista used to teach to everybody. And he still teaches to us because when we go to our small collection of cars that we have in Pininfarina, if you go through them, just looking at them, you learn, you know. So those are lessons that you learn every day just looking at cars. Do you have a favorite Pininfarina design car oh, or built on. car? Oh, no, it's difficult. Testarossa? No? No, not Testarossa. I don't know. I love the most rough one, like uh, 280 GTO. It's fantastic in my opinion. But I love the Modulo, for example, the 1970 prototype. I love the Cisitalia 202. It's a yeah, masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I have different opinions. Everything that Pininfarina did. I love the Florida too that you've been talking before. So I don't know. I love all of them. <laughs> You're a young man. How old are you? You're almost 43. You've got a huge responsibility. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you, you, the, you continue talking about responsibility. You're making me feel very. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel it. I don't know. Maybe because I'm in Turin, and you know the the, the history of, of Pininfarina is evident, not just in the conversation tonight, but when you arrive in Turin, you associate it with everything Pininfarina is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you've been given an opportunity not yes. just to design the PF Zero, which is a dramatic hypercar but beyond that will you have responsibility for the next three cars yes absolutely yes absolutely yes and it's a big responsibility because it's not only to do about pure aesthetics but what the cars will do what the cars will be able to perform and what the product is gonna look like compared to other ones so it's it's not an easy job definitely so of the four possible Pininfarina cars that you will be in charge of in the near future which one is the greatest challenge the PF Zero my friend Zog says that building a hypercar isn't difficult unlimited resources building well, I a- don't believe in it okay I don't believe it. did he ever do a hypercar no he never did yes, no, no. That's correct <laughs> but building a super mini that is better than every other super mini is more difficult I, I teach in a design school from 15 years from 2000 and what I teach to my student that every single project of his own 
own difficulties, yeah. have his own difficult thing, different things to do. So it's not fair to say that one car is easier than the other. You know, usually people that does uh, small cars say, ah, it's easy to design hypercars. They are low, wide, uh, but it's another thing. While people that draw hypercars, they say the other things around for super mini. So it's, it's not like that. Every project has So in the future, apart from the hypercar, you'll have a four-door car, you'll have an SC... I'm not going to tell you. Oh, <laughs> Luca! to be honest with you true, true. All right. let's talk about what we can talk about you owned a Monte Carlo yes tell me the story about your Lancia Monte Carlo when did you buy it how much did it cost I, I bought it from a guy who actually had it in his garage for 15 years and never used it in Italy in Italy yeah like uh, three kilometers from my house it was a beautiful garage that was always exposed to the sun so it was very warm and it was very dry as well <laughs> Bad. so no rust that is very strange yeah. for a Lancia of course <laughs> <laughs> but I met some friends of this guy who told me that he was selling it. Uh, first time I went, he was asking 2000 but then I let him, you know, think a little bit. Last time I came, I bought it for 500 euros, and it was a fantastic thing, you know. Then I restored it completely. How bad was it when you got it? The engine was running, the... Engine was not running, and brakes were not okay, but uh, the body and all the things were no rust at all, so that's why I was convinced. So, you know, fixing an engine sometimes is easier than fixing in complete body or something yeah. like this so but I you just, had to replace some of the plastic on the car yes and I found them in England not in Turin not in England <laughs> in Scotland in Scotland yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah. sorry yeah Scotland yeah. England but a big mistake I understand <laughs> it's the difference between San Marino and Italy isn't exactly, it yeah. exactly. tell me that story you found a man in Scotland who builds parts for a Monte yeah, Carlo yeah exactly it's called montehospital.co.uk <laughs> it's a website that I love and he builds on his own parts for Lanciabeta Monte Carlo so he became a friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Luca, I feel that you and I are friends now. We share Absolutely. our passion for Lancia. Absolutely. And good luck with Pininfarina. Thank you very much. It's Thank an exciting much. prospect. It uh, really yeah. is. I hope to be able to see you again in the next year and show you some more exciting things. I can't wait. Okay. Grazie mille. Grazie a te. Buongiorno, as they say here in Turin. Good morning. We've arrived at Pinfrina's headquarters after a tremendous night last night. And I have to admit, a little flutter of excitement, not just because we're coming to Pinfrina, which you know is very, very exciting, but also we passed Ital design on the way here. Yeah, really. So here we are at the heartland of Italian car design. And they've got a collection here, not quite a museum. They call it a collezione, a collection of some of the most famous Pininfarina designs or cars even designed and manufactured by Pininfarina. And remember those cars I was telling you about when I was at the airport? They're here. I'm actually in a room surrounded by 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, yeah, 11 cars at the moment and I'm drawn immediately towards a Lancia Flamina Florida Due, which is just elegance, a big four-door Italian coupe with Pininfarina written right the way through it from 1957 with carriage doors, what we used to call suicide doors, carriage doors for the rear seat. 
I mean, just elegance in itself. Also, some cars which look familiar but not quite familiar. The uh, Sergio is one of them. A concept by Pininfarina for Ferrari, which is, you know, it, <laughs> look at it. You look the car up, the Pininfarina Sergio. It looks like a Mattel Hot Wheels car. There's a plaque in front of it here. It says, dedicated to Sergio Pininfarina, the concept car renews the spirit of extraordinary achievements born under his guidance, translating it into a modern vision in the name of exclusivity, innovation, and passion, which I'm sure sounds even better in Italian. Let's see if I can read it. Dedicata a Sergio Pirifrina la concept carinova lo spirito delle straordinarie relazioni nate sotto la sua guida transcendola in una visione moderna al insignia dell'esclusività dell'innovazione e della passione. It just sounds great in Italian, even if you don't really understand it. Some of the other cars here, there's the Duetto Italianta, a homage to the Alfa Duetto, you know, the car that became the graduate. 2010, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the original Duetto. And it really does look like a sort of a convertible version of the Brera. It's worth looking up these cars, they're absolutely fascinating. But arguably the most significant one here is the Spider Europa Volume X, supercharged then, like the Lancia HPE Volume X, which is a 124, the Fiat 124 Spider with a Pininfarina badge on the nose. Significance has been the only car ever sold with the Pininfarina badge on the nose, only in America, I believe. And this visit, as you know, is all about... Pininfarina's return to manufacturing with the badge on the nose with the PF0, this electric hypercar. Had a great chat with Luca and with Michael, the CEO of Pininfarina, last night, and he mentioned the Ferrari FF. We were talking about the shooting brake. There it is, Michael, the most beautiful design of shooting brake. The shooting brake, yeah, I know. You have to make a shooting brake for me now. You have for you. <laughs> Just for if, me personally. If, if you get a few more of you, then. All right, I'll have a word with some of my friends in the Shooting Brake Enthusiast Society. <laughs> Electric shooting brake made by Pininfarina. Sounds good to me. With a crazy looking feel, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with a Welsh name. That would tick all oh, my boxes. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> it has to have an Italian name. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe find a name which sounds nice in Welsh and in Italian. Well, my sister married a guy from Netuno, yeah. uh, southwest of Rome. So my nieces and nephews have all got half Welsh, half Italian names. So the oldest of them all is called Rodri. Carlo Giulitti. So, yeah. Rodri's Welsh. Carlo is, is, is the Italian and Welsh version of Charles. So, maybe a car called the Pininfarina Carlo. It works, doesn't it? No. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to try, mate. <laughs> I think it's always worth trying. It's right? always worth it trying. Cost anything to ask a question. Indeed. Do you have a favourite of the cars here? My very favourite, of course, for Sergio is one of them. But the very favorite of all of them is, of course, which is Italia. It's so timeless. Yeah. And then probably the car which a gentleman named James Glickenhaus bought from our collection and then has modified it and has gone to Pebble Beach this year and got standing ovations because that car is now close to being 50 year old and it still looks like a Stanley Kubik uh, yeah, 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 future yeah. movie so yeah. I think a car with 50 years still has that kind of 
wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you look at it and it's like, That's how so could good. anybody 50 years ago have imagined a car like this? Yeah, yeah, Except yeah. it's a science fiction movie. I like the way the future looked in the past. I think it looked better than it does now. Yeah. There we go. I'm just yeah. looking at the wall here. I should explain. There's a depiction of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 40 cars designed by Pininfarina over the years. Glimpses of the future from the past, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Starting in the 30s with the foundation of the company where you have cars over there like the Lancia Astura Bocca yeah, yeah. which in 1936 won the Concours d'Elegance Incestriere and that very specific car you see there in the lower box you should take a picture and put it online that very same car went to Pebble Beach in 2016 physically this car and won the Concours again wow so that shows you what is the strength of a brand Pininfarina you have a car which is 80 years old physically 80 years old and comes to Pebble Beach and wins the concours of the flying banners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. That shows the strength of the brand. Yeah, well, there's no doubting the strength. It's clear, Let isn't it? Let yeah. to Paolo Pini first. Oh, oh well, <laughs> excuse me if I'm more than just a little excited, <laughs> Michael. Good morning, Paolo. Paolo, buongiorno. Can I introduce you as a gentleman from Wales? My name's Gareth Jones. Nice, nice to meet you, you sir. Gareth yeah. does podcasts. In which for the auto industry. We are very dangerous with the microphone. I'm very dangerous with the microphone. <laughs> Always beware a man who's recording all the time. I explained him the story of Elancia Astura Bocca, mm. which won the Concours d'Elegance in Sestria 1936, and the very same car and won, won in 2016, 80 okay. years after. That's remarkable, isn't it? No, That's like an old man winning a Mr. Universe contest, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yes, and a few people know that that car has been built by Pininfarina three times because it has been built in 1936 and then restored for a British owner in the 60s mm-hmm. and then purchased by Pininfarina and restored again another time in the 90s and then was resold. So it was done three times. Wonderful. Very special. And just very keeps very getting better with age, I would imagine, <laughs> as well. This is a very exciting time for Pininfarina as a brand. Your grandfather, Battista, who established yes. the brand, always dreamed of making yes. cars with Pininfarina on the nose as opposed to the side. And here we are. And I think we I would be really happy of this period because mm. here we are dreaming again for the future. And so we are really following uh, the track. We are on track. He'd Definitely. Be, he'd be very proud of his grandson. I hope. I said that uh, the car that we are introducing uh, today is a dream for me. But I assume that is a dream for him, too. So I'm very happy. I'm very I, glad. I, I, for I understand My grandfather why. and my father and my brother, too, all the family. That is mm-hmm. uh, this special story. Because there is no other design house in the world bearing the name of the founder with a chairman who is still in the company yeah, after yeah. 88 years. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's a family business, but a design house, third generation and still young. So it's very yeah. special. And yeah. I probably only one. Yeah, unique. Mm. It's a grand tradition as well. It's a dynasty that you're in charge of do you feel that responsibility do you have a duty to deliver and control and it's a balance Uh, Mm -hmm. it's a a passion and uh, gladness and uh, inspiration and positive thinking Mm -hmm. one side 
and uh, the other side is weight and responsibility. So mm-hmm. at the end is uh, the right balance uh, to go on. Do you hear your grandfather's voice in the back of your head sometimes when you're asked to make difficult decisions? Should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? Do you hear what would he do? Is, absolutely, is, yes. Uh-huh. Absolutely, yes. And, and sometimes we say no mm-hmm. because I hear that he would say no. Can you give me an example of a moment, something that you've been asked to do that you know Batista would say, no, we won't do that? No, for example, to associate our name to a product that is not in tune, in line with our heritage and our idea of sustainability, environmental protection, safety, and so on. So to associate the brand to a product that is not in tune, we say no, even if maybe a cost that. So that is a moment when I see the voice of my grandfather and my father too. And your father too, yeah. It's a way of life for you, isn't it? It's more than a family tradition, it's more than a business tradition, it's a personal tradition, isn't it? Yes, it is. I could say that probably I started to work at Pininfarina when I was eight. Really? I mean, I I started to understand to be part of Pininfarina when I was eight. When my grandfather died, I understood the importance of the man because of all the people who went to the funeral. So that day, for me, was like a a light or a shock. Like I said, this is very important for Torino, for Italy, for my family and the company and so on. And I started to think one day I would like to be part of this project. And my brother was there and my father helped and we studied engineering but we had lunch and dinner when possible with my father and so we went to the factory, went to the motor shows. So when I entered the company in 82 I was 24 but I knew Pininfarina very well before so, and now it's 35 years that I work in the company so I made many things for this company and I still love the company I love the people, I love this positive attitude, this dream that we follow every day and I love the fact that things that were done 80, 90 years ago Mm -hmm. are the same mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. like we are mm-hmm. doing the same mm-hmm. uh, stylish advanced style and yeah. advanced yeah. Uh, tradition and innovation yeah, yeah, yeah. craftsmanship and uh, aerodynamic research yeah, yeah, yeah. so the PF0 is embodies all this culture there, yeah. like the yeah. Aprilia Rodina was kind of a dream of the 30s and now it's kind of the dream of the 20s no do you have a favourite? It's difficult. It's like choosing, you know, do you have a favourite child? It's not possible. Do, is there one car that you think embodies everything Pininfarina have done over the years? Uh, or is that impossible only to one say? It's impossible to say. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, I could say, would say one car per generation. Uh, okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It could be Dutch's Italia, uh, certainly uh-huh. yeah. Dutch's Italia that is there. And the Dino, uh, for, because it was the favorite of my father, uh-huh. and uh, let me say probably the Sergio, because it's the car that I made for my father. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's personal. But there are so many other things that we did, I mean, more than 600, 600 yeah, projects. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's huge. Uh, yeah. In automotive and other 600 projects out of automotive. Mm-hmm. So, it's huge, but it's nice to remember that uh, the average quality and the average excellence of the product is good and still is there. The, the bar is high mm-hmm. to jump, mm-hmm. and we 
try to do it and I think we succeed. So what I said that we are in the collection now. The collection is helpful for visitors like you. Collectors, uh, students, uh, managers, clients, whatever. But it's, if possible, it's more helpful for the employees. Because when they get in the office every day, I say, come 10 minutes before. Before you go to the desk, have a walk here. And look, Soak it up. And, yeah. so, and yeah, yeah. remember, understand mm -hmm. what our grandfathers mm -hmm. and our fathers did. Mm -hmm. And remember that we have to jump the bar higher, if mm -hmm. possible. Well, that's quite a high standard. Mm -hmm. I had dinner last night with Mike and with mm -hmm. Luca Bogonio. Is that how you say uh -huh. name? You know, he's someone who understands the tradition of Pininfarina design. You know, he's worked on lanchas. He's worked, he's yes. he, he owned lanchas. I owned lanchas in the mm. past as well. So I feel at home here, you know. And do you feel that people like Luca are custodians of... Pininfarina design, are they going to bring something new or are they aware of the tradition? No, they are aware of the tradition. Uh, both uh, the people in Automobile Pininfarina understand uh, because uh, Luca has been working for Pininfarina several years and also the team here mm -hmm. with Bonzanigo has spent many years. And, and I mean, but myself, I mean, we live with this and uh, we understand uh, the values of Pininfarina design that is uh, special and distinctive. So the concept of purity is not just a slogan, it's real. The, the purity makes the difference because uh, the world out of here is so full of uh, decorations mm -hmm. and, uh, and, let's say, tuning and things done just to surprise and we reduce to the essential and to the pure so sometimes we are different but we want to be different mm -hmm. we yeah, want yeah, to of be course. special yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm playing a guessing game today I'm trying mm. to imagine what the PF0 will be called mm. when it goes to market I'm guessing it could be called the Pura it could be called the Batista mm. I know but I don't disclose oh, I was hoping you might give no, me a I clue <laughs> Now I cannot do it. No, but you mentioned Lancia. And yeah. Give me this chance to tell you that Lancia was very, very, very important for Pininfarina. Lancia was the partnership of Generation One. Mm -hmm. I dare to say that Pininfarina was established thanks to the Lancia connection. Because in the 30s, I know that the majority of the projects were on the Lancia platforms. So really it was a very strict partnership. And so I like to say that the first generation generation is designed for Lancia and the others. The second generation is my father is designed for Ferrari and the others. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And the first generation is designed for the world. Signor Pini Farina, Paolo, a pleasure to meet you. you and it's wonderful to be here. Thank Grazie you. mille. Thank you. Wow. I am aware that I am privileged making Gareth Jones on speed I get to go to extraordinary parts of the world see some extraordinary cars and amazing things meet some incredible people and I'm thrilled to have met Paolo Pininfarina today you know I don't recognize royalty but in the case of the Pininfarina dynasty I think I'll make an exception you know that's the kind of royalty I acknowledge they've earned it they're not land thieves like most royalty this is a man who has earned his place in in the history of car design. Yeah. Oh, I'm sounding very grandiose now. Okay, I'll try and bring it back a bit.
After that conversation with Paolo, he did a presentation which told us a little about the history of Pininfarina and what we discussed, the responsibility of design and how this was going to change things here at Pininfarina. Then we were taken into a, a white room where our phones were taken off us, or rather put in bags and sealed so we couldn't use them and given a presentation explaining the relationship between Pininfarina SPA and Automobili Pininfarina, the new car company essentially based in Munich. But they're investing 20 million. Automobili Pininfarina are investing 20 million euros in Pininfarina design here in Italy. So that relationship, they're, they're just described as sister companies, but their relationship is clearly strong and linked. And then we were taken into a room, given a briefing, and eventually the PF Zero was unveiled by Luca, who I had dinner with last night. This is Luca's design, and it is lovely. It is proper lovely. One of the things I took away from the conversation last night is that someone said it should look like an arrowhead at the front, and it does. And it also has, um, what do we call the feathers at the rear, the flights at the rear of an arrow as well? But instead of being vertical, they're horizontal. I, you know, until you see the pictures of the car, it's very difficult to explain, but it has these two horizontal surfaces which break the airflow over the rear of the car. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that before. Very distinctive. It's a wing but a horizontal rear wing that grows out of the rear wheel arches. Amazing. The design of the wheels, they look like rotating hatchets, blades that are going to slice you to pieces. And I made some notes. We were given this amazing moleskin notebook to make some notes. And I made a couple of notes of some of the things that they were talking about in terms of design language regarding the car. So let me just pull this out because it's worth reading these. Amazing. I love the way designers talk. It sounds like, what, what are you saying? But they genuinely mean this stuff. And um, two of the expressions which came out, one was an emotional logic. This car has to have an emotional logic. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means it has to be sort of logical, you know, function drives it. But it has to have form with an emotional resonance, something that moves you so it looks right and looks dramatic and my favorite piece of verbiage was it has a ballistic resolution <laughs> great a ballistic resolution you know it looks like a bloody missile <laughs> i love that as an idea there's a mock-up of the interior of the car here which i can experience in vr if i put the helmet on so i'm going to step into the cabin a supercar cabin a hypercar cabin and i have to put on a pair of vr yep together with the vr let's say you have the tell me stop i'm gonna stretch it that's that's okay that's good yeah that's tight and firm wow Wow. <laughs> Don't you love VR? 
I am seemingly sitting in the PF0 or whatever it's going to be called. I'm not actually, but I am virtually. In front of me, I can see a dash with three digital readouts. There are two horizontal 16 by 9 readouts either side of the wheel, so to the left and the right. Now, that's smart. And a vertical one in the centre behind the wheel, which is the same sort of ratio as a telephone, so not 16 by 9, but 9 by 16. Around me, I've got a deep horizon. It looks like I'm out in Arizona or somewhere at sunset. And the interior of the car is blue, which I'm guessing is a deliberate choice because that's part of the Pininfarina colour palette. If you look at the Pininfarina logo, there's blue in it and certainly the new Automobili Pininfarina logo. Okay, wow. Now things have changed around me. The horizon has just switched to, I mean, some kind of concrete tunnel. Now, the interior of the car, it's low slug. The whole car is carbon fibre, of course. A central core with a rotary sort of, uh, what do we call, what's the Italian word for that rotary dial that escapes me? I can't remember. And the colours, the seats, are sort of a metallic, bronzy gold colour, which reminds me of the tiles on the interior of that shower I had in that hotel last night. And flowing lines the exterior design of the car i would say is echoed on the interior as well you know the way i was describing the horizontal wing that straddles the two rear wheel wings then those sort of strakes are reflected on the interior as well i can also see in the door that there's or virtually see in the door that appear to be sort of speakers behind the hard surface or what might be a soft surface this is quite an experience and a very technological looking flat bottomed i won't say quartic steering wheel it's got flat bottomed flat top but the top side of the wheel is shorter than the lower side what a thing i'm actually in the pf0 virtually Luca was just taking us through some of the design elements of the PF Zero. It's fascinating how they've evoked some of the history of Pininfarina design. There's elements of the 512 in this. There's a little bit of Dino in this. And also, it being an electric car, it has slightly different cooling requirements. In fact, fewer surfaces are broken for cooling elements than you would get in an internal combustion engine car. If you study any picture you see of the car, you'll see there are vents at the front of the car which vent on the bonnet and then there are two that vent below the windscreen. Very subtle, very clever. And again, there's a vent just beyond the rear of the door which allows cooling for the five radiators on board the car. It's absolutely fascinating. One thing I haven't seen is how the doors open. Are they scissors doors? Are they conventional doors? I have to try and find out. It also got some movable aerodynamic surfaces. The rear wing, which is split on the concept that I'm looking at now, they say it's 75% there, but I think it may be joined, and that has three separate positions a flat position for high speed for low aerodynamic drag then the rear wing pops up slightly for cornering then it has an error braking position as well where it flips up almost vertically fascinating let me see if i can ask luca about how the doors open let me see if i can interrupt his chat 
describe almost uh, everything that is needed, the color of the carbon details, uh, whatever, the, the front wing, so externally, Luca, how do the doors open? Are they scissors they doors? Open. They don't open. You just you drive it remotely. Yeah, are, are they scissors they, doors? They, they, yeah, they open up yeah. like this. Yeah, they yeah. open up. They rotate. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. We can see there's a virtual model on the screen here that can show the various aerodynamic configurations of the car, and hopefully, if Luca presses the right buttons, we can see uh, pictures of the door opening. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So scissors doors that fold up and forward. What is important to say is that we've been working really hard to get the best possible ingress and egress of the car. So the seals are quite narrow compared to some of the competitors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So of course, for this category, the ingress and egress is quite good and correct. Bravo, Luca. It's Thank you very much. gorgeous. Yeah. Carlo, uh, Carlo, bravo, Signor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. It's dramatic. The, the team it, is working yes, just uh, 15 meters away. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, like it? Yeah, absolutely, I like it. Yeah, it's familiar but original. And I guess that's important, isn't it? You have to evoke your history but make it your own as well. You can't just copy everything from Pininfarina's history, can you? Absolutely. It's a difficult and, game. And uh, working uh, as design director for Pininfarina has a double challenge because you have to take into account the sets of values of the brand mm -hmm. you are working for, which are coming first, of course. You do work for Peugeot. Peugeot is the main set of values which command but everything should be done within the set of values of Pininfarina. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When you are a design director of OEM brand, you have only one direction, it's your brand. In my case, I have to balance both duties. Yes. The duty to satisfy the client yeah. and the duty to continue the legacy of 88 years of creations, not all of them successfully, of mm -hmm. course, but there is a consistent part of the automotive history which has been done here by my predecessors. I see it as a sort of Venn diagram where Pininfarina crosses over into all these other brands which I you can sort of pick that's, from. Yeah. That's very interesting, I never thought about it. And you can sort of pick from it, but the core is, it's all Pininfarina. So, as usual. At the end, you and the clients are the judges uh, to see if we have managed to provoke that spark of emotion, which is at the end uh, our job. Yeah, it's dramatic, and that's an emotion, you know, such a drama. Grazie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. Actually, Nick Heidfeld is here, and if I can get a minute with Nick, I'll ask him about his role in Automobili Pininfarina and what he's doing. Where's he gone? He's vanished. I'll find him. Stand by. I'm very pleased to say that Nick Heidfeld, who I had a brief conversation with last night, is here again today. Nick, perhaps you could explain for me what your involvement in the development of the PF Zero is. The primary role, obviously, is that I will drive the car. I will be the development driver. But as I've not driven the car yet, this will start middle of 2019. And something that was also important to me when we started to speak about my involvement within the company was that I don't only want to be driving, but I want to be involved 
in as much as possible from very early on. As you can imagine, the company is growing very quickly and I experienced that within Mahindra and Formula E that at this point there's a lot of input you can give and a lot of things that might happen because of your input. And while I'm not crazy enough to think I'm a designer, it is something I enjoy a lot and something that gives me a lot of emotion to look at beautiful things and art. And uh, to me, cars are also a piece of art. So I wanted to get involved in that, made that clear, and also want to get involved on the targets we want to achieve with this car definitely and probably a bit more obvious about the interior of the car in terms of practicality and about the ergonomics and those those kinds of things. Right, so it's more than just the engineering development driving. Yes, that was something important to me because I hope that I can give positive input and that I can help the team, but it's just something I enjoy and I have a passion for. And I think everything you have a passion for, you can be good at and Mm. you can learn. And when I was in Munich a few weeks ago for the first time, just speaking to the chief exterior and interior designer, is somehow also like a kid's dream come true, you know, like most of probably all the people listening to this can't. So I'm sitting there as a guy crazy about cars and chatting to those people who are the expert in their business and just chatting along and giving my comments and understanding their views and learning is yeah. just fantastic. This is perfect for you because of your connections with Mahindra. You're no longer racing for them in Formula E. You're a test driver. Most racing drivers don't have an exit strategy for what they can do when they're no longer racing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is perfect for you. This is your exit strategy, isn't it? You're a grown-up now. <laughs> I didn't have an exit strategy, so it's working out perfectly. Obviously, over the last couple of years, I thought about what do I do after my racing career. Uh, I've not resigned, but I'm mm-hmm. going in a bit of a new direction now. But uh, during my racing career, I always wanted to do racing 100%. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I have a family with three kids, so I didn't want to do two things. But now that this opportunity opened, as you say, is, is a perfect match. Mm-hmm. Especially because I feel passionate about it and because I think I can do a good job there. I think what some racing drivers and also other individuals think is that just because they're good at one thing, they can do everything, uh, yeah. which is uh, <laughs> a little bit dangerous. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm well aware that I'm a good driver, but I haven't studied anything and you need to learn stuff. So yeah. for me, as you say, it's a perfect strategy to continue my life. The performance figures for the PF Zero are extraordinary. Is it not to 100 kilometers in less than two seconds? Yes, that's the target. <laughs> Not to 300 kilometers in less than 12 seconds, is that yes, right? Correct. Yes, I mean, this is greater performance than most of the Formula One cars that you've ever driven, isn't it? All of them? All of them. I'm not sure about 0 to 300 because I never really measured that. And probably we'll have more downforce and also drag in a Formula One car. But 0 to 100 in Formula One was probably around 2.4 seconds. And to have a road car quicker than that is difficult to get in my head it somehow seems wrong but it's like that at some point earlier on during the presentation it was mentioned that you might be a driver test examiner for people who will buy the pf0 how how will that work what's the plan well it's all very much in the early stages but if we know that the car has more than double the power of an f1 car we need to think about and make sure that people don't hurt themselves or Hmm. anybody else and it's a thought at the moment i think it's decided that uh, we might do some learning with the car but it's all very early stages well nick it's been a pleasure watching you race for 
20 years since yeah. I first saw you race in San Marino uh, well at the San Marino Grand Prix in Imola which isn't in San Marino and you won that race yes. and I'd say you're still winning today boy still winning thank you so much thank you sir Gareth Jones on speed that's just about it from Gareth Jones on speed Spinning yeah, gulp, still excited. One of the things that was mentioned earlier on in the presentation that we saw is that the name of the car is decided, but they weren't telling us what it is, but that there were massive clues as to what it would be here in everything that we see today. So I don't know what they're going to call the car, but they also invited us, the journalists who are here today, to ask you guys to try and guess what you would call or indeed what they would call this pf0 when it goes to market which i think we'll probably find out at geneva next year in march so what would you call the car or what do you think they would call the car they want us to harvest these answers and pass them on to pininfarina so you can contact me at the usual way on speed at garethjones.tv go to my garethjones.tv website and click on the mail link there if you can't remember the address or contact me via Twitter you know I'm Gareth Jones TV on Twitter or go to the Facebook page for Gareth Jones on speed and it really is a growing community we've got an awful lot of people now who follow on speed on Facebook so please join us there with your suggestions as to what you think the car should be called here's my suggestion right one of the motifs of Pininfarina, the most important one, is something which translates into English as, above all, it must be beautiful. Battista Pininfarina himself said that. That's the number one rule of anything that comes out of Pininfarina. Above all, it must be beautiful. Or as they say in Italian, and forgive me if I get this wrong, I'm going to give it a good go. Soprattutto deve essere bella. Soprattutto deve essere bella. Above all, it must be beautiful. So the question is, could they call this first ever Pininfarina hypercar the fastest car ever to come out of Italy? And a truly beautiful car, could they call it the Pininfarina Bella? That's it. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth. I'll see you for our next episode, which is a festive special. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!